Hey competitors, if you've ever had the desire to take a side hustle or a dream and turn it into reality, this episode, this interview, and this amazing entrepreneur is just for you. So stay tuned. Every day is a competition against your pride, comfort zone, fear, complacency, snooze alarms, bad habits, bad relationships, and more. This podcast is for the ambitious, willing to compete every day to make an impact in their career, health, relationships, and life. Each week, Compete Every Day founder Jake Thompson interviews leaders in business, fitness, psychology, and sports to explore what championship performers can teach us about making winning changes in life. In life. By listening today, you're deciding to start competing for your best life. We are back, competitors. That's right, a brand new Compete Every Day episode, and this one is a fun one. Before I share a little bit more about our awesome guest today, I've got to tell you some ways that you can get connected with us, with the show, with other everyday competitors who are winning life's battles. Those people that you look at and you just wonder, how do they keep overcoming obstacles? How do they have that positive mindset? I don't have that positive mindset. I'm not able to do some of that stuff. You got to get in this community. You got to get connected with other people who are out to make a difference in their health, in their career, and in their life. You can join up with us if you go to www.competeforyour.life. C-O-M-P-E-T-E-F-O-R-Y-O-U-R.L-I-F-E. Compete for your dot life. There you'll find resources on how you can get on our newsletter, how you can get connected in our free Facebook community and get plugged in. If you want to be a better competitor, if you want to elevate your career, your side hustle, your full-time hustle, if you want to have a greater impact on your relationships, being present, going deeper, not having these surface level conversations, if you want to turn around your health, maybe your health's gone by the wayside and you need help with your training, your health, your recovery, your mindset, we've got that there, as well as plenty of information on how you can have the competitor's mindset, how you can be grittier, you can be more persevering. You can overcome obstacles and have the positive mindset that you will win. All of that and more is featured on our website, competeeveryday.com and blog.competeeveryday.com. If you want to shoot me a note after the show to get connected, podcast at competeeveryday.com is our email, and we are always reading everything coming in. We love the feedback on the shows. We love the recommendations. You guys help us create and plan this show, so feel free to reach out if you're loving the content or if you have ideas for a future show. Finally, I have one small request before I share this week's guest, and that is if you enjoy this episode, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It takes 10 seconds, quick note, but it helps other people find the show. It helps those people discover what we're all about and how they can be competitors too. I want to give a shout out to this week's review from Just Do It 10. It says, if you have a drive to create something in your life, grab your earbuds and notepad. I cannot say enough about the quality of the content and the core values from where it comes. Despite all my years in sports, I had to learn that it's the person in the mirror we compete with every day. If you haven't been listening, Jake's podcast is a dynamic resource to help you compete against the person in the mirror. My suggestion is to just dive into the show. 
Thank you, Just Do It 10. We appreciate you. I'm so thankful for every one of you that are leaving reviews and ratings because you're helping other people discover the show. And when they get plugged in, they're able to add to their life. They're able to improve their mindset and impact that they have on everyone around them. It's a chain reaction. And each of you engaging with us in the community and on the show are helping with that. Now, this week's guest has become a dear friend and someone that I'm continually inspired by her work, her vision for branding, the brand she's built, and her attitude about life. Nicole Bischetti started the Chesty as a side hustle. She was getting pounded with a hot barbell at Miami's Wadapalooza fitness competition. She ended up wrapping her shirt and, and everything around the, uh, the bar to keep it from bruising and burning her chest. From there, she started experimenting with some different things and eventually built what is now a global brand. I love watching this product and this team develop because Nicole's attitude for life is hustle. She's all about hustling and doing things great. Attention to detail. How can I make an impact? How can I create better? It's a constant pursuit of better, and it's something that we should all aspire to be like. No matter if we have a side hustle, a full-time hustle, if we're working for someone else, everywhere in our career and our life should be about better. How can we build on yesterday to be better today, and how can we be even better tomorrow? This conversation dives through Nicole's career, so if you've ever had the desire to start something, to start a side hustle, to have a full-time hustle outside of what you do now, this episode is gonna break down Nicole's journey, how she's done it, the obstacles she's had to overcome along the way, and it's one heck of a ride. So that, without further ado, I am excited to welcome to the show a good friend and entrepreneur of the chesty, Nicole Bischetti. Welcome to the show today, how are you? I am great, thanks Jake, thanks so much for having me. How are you today? Uh, you know, it is cold and sunny in Texas, and I bet the weather in Florida is so much better today, at least warmer. Than, it's a uh, chilly 70 degrees. Do you see the tail? You I, I do. I, you were yeah. warned that we would have a guest appearance by the cat, and not as soon as we hit record does he show up. Yep, there he is. He was uninvited, and he still shows up. <laughs> well, give, I have uh, bragged a little bit about you in the intro, but give our listeners a quick background on who you are as the founder of the Chesty, uh, where you live, what you do kind of currently in life. And then I would love to dive in and explore a little bit your journey because I feel it's just inspiring as well as a great blueprint for a lot of people looking to start and build their own brand one day. Cool. I am an Italian woman in my mid thirties, late thirties, but I say mid, it's fine. It's always mid till there's a four in front of it. <laughs> it's literally going to be that. <laughs> um, I live in South Florida. It is a brisk, balmy 70 degrees today, which is why I'm wearing my long sleeve shirt. <laughs> It's a sweater. <laughs> I work out of my home, which is in Boynton Beach, Florida. My business partner, my now business partner, uh, my brother, Scott, also lives in the same community. So he has about a 90 second commute to work, which is great. <laughs> we have been, uh, I've been running the business since 2014 when I left my full time career as the public relations director at Bloomingdale's in the Southeast market. 
and have been running the business from South Florida since then. And, um, and at the time it was just me, but in October of 2016, my brother who is still a Marine, uh, <laughs> once a Marine, always a Marine, <laughs> still very active. Um, what once, uh, October, 2016 rolls around, he was, getting out of full-time active duty to come home and, and get married and have a baby <laughs> and also join my company officially. Um, he had been kind of involved in the background. Basically, by, what I mean by that is giving me money when I need it. <laughs> the thing that they don't tell you in like business school or any of these courses is that like you need 20 times the amount of money that you actually think you need. It's Without a doubt. Yeah, it's incredible how many times I've actually run out of money. But, <laughs> <laughs> so he came on board in 2016 at the end of the year, and, and we've just been rocking and rolling ever since. It's, uh, the Chesties still run as a small family-owned business. Um, we're business partners, no outside money, which also means no outside influence, which is great. <laughs> uh, we're pretty nimble. We're able to pivot quickly uh, when needed. Um, yeah. And so it's been, honestly, it's been a dream. It's been great. So tell for those listening and, and probably a lot of our, our female listeners have heard of your brand, use your brand, but there's some guys out there that are like, what is she talking about? What is the, the chesty? Tell us a little bit about this awesome product one. And how did it come to fruition? Like I've, I know the story. I love the story, but especially the first one that you made and just oh. up yourself. Yeah. Tell, oh, yeah. So tell us how this thing started. That was, um, that was interesting. <laughs> I still have the bag of my first samples and it's in the storage unit right now. And I'm waiting until the time when we're big enough on social media for me to post it and not be like at the risk of losing <laughs> customers and followers because it's that bad. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so, all right. So like the quick spiel on like what Chesty is, is it's a patented sports bra that I created with a built-in collarbone card. Boom, done. It's a great piece of gear um, for women who train with a barbell, which is every CrossFitter, <laughs> and, uh, and women, women who are weightlifters, Olympic lifters, fitness enthusiasts. Um, and we'll get into this maybe later, but I'm also going to start making uh, and have, have already developed trustees with removable collarbone padding for your, you know, just general, I like the style of your chesties, but I also, you know, don't necessarily need the collarbone protection five days a week. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so that's pretty cool. I have one sitting on my desk. It's a new one. So from the looks of it, from the from the appearance, uh, just the general glance, it looks like a regular sports bra. Yeah. Which is great, which is the intention of it. But if you look real close, you can see it has yep. sewn in uh, padding, which is what the what the guard is. It's all made of neoprene, um, quick dry neoprene, very comfortable. And, um, and actually a few months ago, you and I talked about this. I just had multiple patents granted on the product. So we went from patent pending to we are a patented awesome. design, patented product. Pretty cool. Congratulations. So tell me a little bit about the start because we've all, anybody that's lifted with a barbell, push jerks, you know, push press, any of that, you get the bruises on your collarbone from cleans. 
But what made you finally just be like, screw this. I'm tired of this bruising. I've got to figure out a solution. Yes. Um, it was a culmination of things that really kind of came together at Wadapalooza. So I've been competing in that event, or I was competing. I'm involved now only as a vendor, but I started as a competitor. And it was uh, one of the first years of Wadapalooza I was competing. And I... I I was really affected, like in a negative way, because this is before Chesty existed, right? So we had a 20-minute AMRAP of shoulder to overhead. At the time, I think the weight was like 145, which was also at the time my body weight. And I'm like, okay, so I'm looking at these brand new, beautiful barbells, which also means the knurling is like a cheese grater. Yep. (laughs) And it's outside, so it's been sitting in the sun, you know, the Miami sun, like baking on this on this rack. <laughs> um, as soon as I touched it, I was like, okay, this is this isn't good. And I, as soon as it like touched my skin, I was like, nope. I did a couple reps, I re-racked it, and I took my shirt off. It was like just a tank top and stuffed it into the straps of my sports bra to create like a barrier. It basically looked like I was wearing like a backward cape. And I was like, and I looked at my judge and I was like, yeah, this is, this, this was right now. Like, sorry. But <laughs> and in that like 20 minute period, I had a lot of time to suffer through and just like try to think of anything else other than the workout because it was rough. Um, I thought I'm like, this is working, but like, there's gotta be a better way to do this. Right. So that was the weekend. I went back into the gym on Monday and I took a pair of knee sleeves that we all have that we use, you know, compression knee sleeves for, um, for squatting or whatever. Oh, and they all stink so bad. So bad. Oh, except my friend, uh, Sloan, she, she created exo sleeve. They're anti So those are anti stink, but yeah. Needless to say, I was like, that's how badly I wanted to do this. I was like, I'm willing to put these stinky things into my shirt real close to my nostrils. So I cut them in half, um, sewed them into a rash guard for surfers. Cause you know, we're in yeah. South Florida. I'm like pretty close to the ocean. That's kind of what we do. A lot of water sports put it on. And I was like, this is so awesome, but it's hideous. Like it looks like, you know, like the football players gear, like that's how I felt. I looked like, I was like, I don't know about this. And actually, as you mentioned, the first kind of like iteration of what the chesty was, it was a t-shirt. That's kind of where the name came from. It was a chest guard in a t-shirt chesty. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But there's also another like military link to that as well. Chesty puller was a Marine, although it's spelled a little differently. Um, and so that was kind of like my nod to, uh, then my brother being in the Marine Corps, but there's a lot of, a lot of symbolism there. But anyway, so that was my first prototype. And, um, and I was at the time, the public relations uh, in the public relations department at Bloomingdale. So I just started walking downstairs to the seamstress's offices and I was like, Hey, I literally went to the store and I pulled out, like, I pulled fabric, right? And I, and I like brought my tape measure in and I was like, okay, so ladies, this is what we need to make. <laughs> and the first couple of things that they made me, I was like, all right, so maybe it's my fault. I'm going to pay you, you know, for, for what you did, for what you made me. But, like, this is not exactly where I wanted to go with this. The first one that they made me was, it looked like a costume from Peter Pan. Because <laughs> the 
collar was an actual Victorian collar like this. Oh, wow. Yeah, like that would have buttons underneath it. And and to make it like even more obvious of how ugly it was, it was like the, the collar part was neon yellow and then like the rest of the body was neon aqua, I think. It was not a good look overall. <laughs> so do you still have, do you at least still have this prototype? I have them. And so this is what I'm saying. <laughs> how, I, okay, so the, what, I, what I think is, is April Fool's this coming year in 2019. <laughs> you should release these for special order. Stop. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. I don't know if we're there yet, but <laughs> I don't know. Y'all are, uh, y'all continue, oh, no. continue to blow up and, and explode. So you how long I'm going to do? Sorry. What? Go. Uh, okay. Real quick. I am on that note though. You know how they show the progression of like, for example, cell phones. Like you can see, this is what a cell phone looked like in 1980. Yeah. And this is what it looks like in 2019. I'm going to do that with the chesty because I have enough years of development yeah. now and I saved all of them. I'm going to say 2012 chesty, <laughs> 2019, look That's at that progression. And I'm going to put them in like lucite, you know, clear boxes, like frame them basically for the yeah. wall. Yeah. It's going to happen. I'll send you the picture. That's awesome. No, that's, that is, that is awesome idea. So how long from getting these first prototypes created, was it before one, you were able to actually have a product you could go to market and then two, before you transitioned to doing it full time? Okay. So the first part of the question is the answer is about a year. Okay. Um, yeah. So we started it with shirts and so I had three shirts that was it. Like if you wanted to buy a chesty, you had three options and they were all jewel tones. I, looking back on that, I probably should have done black and gray, but you know, I went bold. Yeah. <laughs> if you didn't like basically Barbie colors, you're out of luck. <laughs> <laughs> but out of the three styles, the one that looked basically the skimpiest with the smallest um, amount of coverage that looked like a sports bra sold really quickly and basically sold out. And the others were slower to sell. And that is when I started thinking, okay, the chesty doesn't need to be a t-shirt. It actually needs to be a sports bra because these women are buying it thinking that that's what they're buying. They think they're buying a sports bra with the collarbone protection. So, so that was a transition that took like over a year. And then as far as leaving my full-time job, I was doing, I was working um, my full-time career and then using this as a side hustle for almost two years before I was able to leave. And, um, and I saved, this is the best part. I saved enough money to last me for 12 to 14 months. <laughs> that, that's huge. I, that is okay. So I, okay. I've got to stop because that's such <laughs> a, that's such a key piece. Like when, when I've talked to people in the past about transitioning and pursuing things, if they've got a, a great stable position, but obviously they have a desire to do else. I'm all about building up that, that rainy day fund, that, that safety net fund, because it gives you, if you have a 14 to 18 month window, then by month 11 or 12, if it's not profitable moving in that direction, you still have time to move back into a corporate role, find, right. you know, additional income, things like that. So that's, that's huge on your end. What's, 
What okay, but it didn't work out that way. Oh, okay. So, okay. so this is so this is what actually ended up happening. <laughs> so I saved enough money, and, and and my brother Scott will tell you I am. There is a reason he is in charge of the money. <laughs> I am the absolute worst money manager. The only thing that I do great with money is spend it. Like, <laughs> I am terrible saver. I'm a terrible planner. I just, you know, I knew that I needed the help. He knew that I needed the help. And he was like, well, these are the things I'm going to do. Like we can go ahead and call me, like title me, whatever, but this is what I'm going to do. So I thought I had enough money for a year basically. And I ran out of money in three months. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So, so that's a dramatic difference. And to your point, about needing to go back to the corporate world, I ended up having to take a job, like another full-time job, after three months, after my big departure from Bloomingdale's, like posting picture of my first day working from home, self-employed at the beach and at the gym. I was like, hi guys, miss you. Like, it was really a very humbling experience to have to go back into the workforce after only three months when I thought that it was going to be like, yeah, you know, I'll build the business by then. After six months, I'll have a product I need. I'll be selling for six months. It's going to be great. Like, no. That's not what happened. So, yeah, I mean. How did you handle that process? So I'm curious on two fronts how you handled that process. One, personally, just kind of getting through that mentally of that first setback, because that's obviously a big setback, not only from a business standpoint, it slows things down, but from a a pride standpoint. Oh, yeah, it was horrible. Yeah, so what what were some things you did just personally to navigate that and then get back to your feet? Well, so I've been really lucky in my life just to have good friends and mentors. And one of my mentors who basically is like, we call her a friend tour because she's a friend first, but a mentor second. My friend tour told me, I'm going to let you have two days on the pity pot. Okay. Cry, be depressed, lay in your bed, eating your grilled cheese sandwich, because I know that's what you're doing. You can whine all you want, but she's like, after those two days, you really need to get over it and come up with a plan. And I did. I took all of the 48 hours to feel very sorry for myself because I did. I was embarrassed. I felt like I failed because in a way I kind of did. I was freaking out because I didn't really know if I was able to do this, you know, because once you hit a huge roadblock like that, then you let like fear and doubt start talking to you. So I had two days of like listening to these goblins (laughs) before, but then I like, you know, it was like a new awakening that I came out of the cave, (laughs) actually like wash the sheets in the bed, (laughs) like got dressed, put makeup on. And I was like, okay, I'm going to have a plan. So the first thing that I did was, take a job because you can't do anything without money, right? Like it's just, you have to have income to do anything. So I took a job and then I had a plan for how I was going to manage now having a full-time job again. And then what my benchmarks are going to be. People like us, business owners are very goal oriented. I haven't really met a business owner yet. Who's like, eh, goals, who needs them? Right? Like, so we're all, we're all wired similarly. So I set benchmarks and I was like, all right, at three months, I'm going to do X at six months. I'm going to do X 
and I will not be here in a year. <laughs> and I, and that's what I did. I was working that full-time job, the second one again. And I literally, and this was very structured. Like at Bloomingdale's, I had been there for a while. I had tenure. So I had a little bit of flexibility. I basically was starting over at this new job. I had 30 minutes for lunch, which I took in my car and did phone calls, sales calls. So all the time, like when I, whenever I had to set up sales calls, I'd be like, Oh, um, well, 12 o'clock looks good for me. How about for you? <laughs> like, <laughs> or I'd have to, you know, if it was like a later, because of time change, I do like a later lunch and do it at two o'clock and then, and then take my sales call. And then at night, I promise you, I know every CrossFit gym owner in South Florida because I drove around the entire state of Florida doing trunk shows after work. Like Monday night, hey, I'd love to come in and, you know, do a trunk show. I literally had like three styles for you to choose from. My, here's my little Tupperware bin of chesties and here's my one mannequin. Cool. Can I come in with my table? And I drove around for a year doing that, maybe over a year, maybe like two, almost two years. And that's what I did until I kind of got some momentum. You get a little break here and there, you know, like a really well-known athlete, is willing to wear one of your tops and she gets photographed and, and her yep. friends see it. I mean, it's just, it's all grassroots. It's how it happens. Yeah. You're, you're essentially just, uh, as a, uh, there's a quote in the San Antonio Spurs basketball locker room about pounding the stone. There's a book based on it. And it's the idea that the guy pounding the stone is hit it a hundred times. Nothing happens. And then the hundred and first hit the stone cracks a lot of people would look at it and be like, oh, it was that, you know, it was that, that last hit. And it was like, no, it was the hundred building up to it that just got you to that point. And so all this that. while you're just pounding the stone, you're laying those bricks to yes. build a foundation. That's wanna, in my favorite book too. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we're speaking yeah. the same language. So Thanks. I want to ask, I want to take a quick time out and, and pull back a little bit because throughout your work history, you've had entrepreneurial type pursuits. You've been VP, incredibly successful running PR for, for companies, for brands. So twofold on that. One, how did your early experience in executive type roles help you now running your own business? And two, what made you want to leave the safety, quote safety, of a corporate job to do your own thing? Cool. Answer number one to question number one is that is just like the beauty of doing what you were obviously put on this planet to do because I would have never guessed 10 years ago that I would be manufacturing sports bras. Like it's just not a thing that ever would have come across my even scope yeah. <laughs> of being on my radar. But Every single thing that I have done in my corporate role roles has benefited me in the chesty. It's, it's honestly incredible because at the end of the day, we all sell something, but the people are buying why you're doing it and not what you're doing and people and really like, especially people like us, we're really in the business of customer service. So if you have learned and created and honed skills that are people skills, you'll be successful really doing whatever, whether you are selling water or <laughs> creating 
boots or, you know, manufacturing air conditioning pieces. It's just, so yeah, in every, in every sense of the, of the word prepared, uh, my career has 100%, probably 200% prepared me for what I'm doing now. And I'm very, I feel really lucky, but I also feel like because I've listened to intuition and to whatever was supposed to happen and I didn't try to fight with what was supposed to happen, I feel like this is the path that I'm supposed to be on. Um, so a lot of that is just kind of like it happened because it was supposed to happen that way. Um, answer number two to question number two, which is, which was, um, get, leaving the safety. right. Leaving the safety. So like, I don't, I didn't see it as safety at all. I saw corporate as confinement, chains, and jail. <laughs> <laughs> Please elaborate. Please elaborate on that because I, <laughs> you and I, you, we, we think similarly in a lot of areas and I don't. The reason I put safety in quotes is because yeah. it's not necessarily safe to me because I've, I've been on both sides of it. I've seen it as a, as a consultant working with projects and the project and the company just disappears overnight and there's no backup plan. There's no nothing. Right. And I've obviously, obviously you and I have the shared experiences of navigating the ups and downs and roller coasters and failures and successes of owning sure. your own business. So Talk to me a little bit about the jail that you were trapped in and what, yeah, and, and that decision to suddenly, why you felt that way and then why you ultimately pushed yourself or were looking for ways to break out. Um, well, just for, for me personally, I felt like as a creative person, as someone who really wanted to utilize a product and a business to express herself, um, and someone who truly loved fashion in the corporate world, I felt like I was just really confined by red tape to spend anything more than $500. I would have to send you know, at least three emails and get the sign off on probably two people. And that's a really small example. Yeah. But then as the financial responsibility got larger, then the red tape got even stronger and there was more of it. <laughs> you know, um, I would put on fundraising events that raised, you know, 10,000 to $100,000 or had $100,000 sales events in the stores. That was not done, you know, just with me being like, so I think I want to do this thing on Saturday night. Like it, there were a lot of people who had to okay this. And, and I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying that that wasn't the pace that I was ready to move at. Yep. So these things had to be planned. You know, a lot of these things would take eight months being in business for yourself, we can pivot so quickly. And that is absolutely necessary when you're a small business because you might have an opportunity that you want to do or you want to take advantage of that in a larger organization. I know for me, we used to have great opportunities come by and I'd be like, this is so awesome. Let's talk this time next year for the following yeah. season because there, I just knew there's absolutely no way of getting it done, budgeted for, approved. I mean, it would take three weeks to make an e-flyer, you know? Yeah. So it's like... That is what I mean by, <laughs> it was very easy for me to leave that. Trust me. Okay. No, <laughs> that's... Then I, went, I went from one extreme to the other. Then yeah. I was like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. Let me go ahead and tweet that we're doing that. <laughs> and now we roll. And then we're off. <laughs> so looking back on, and all of that, not only being trapped in, in quote, the jail sale and, and dealing with the red tape, but being out on your own now, 
What do you think has been two or three of your personal characteristic strengths that have benefited you most as someone building the chesty? Like what's benefited you most in this entrepreneurial journey? Um, the biggest one I think is being bullheaded. And that was a backhanded compliment that I got from someone on Saturday night, actually. Wow. Okay. So this is fresh. Okay. Real fresh. He was like, to be honest with you, Nicole, like, I really didn't think you were going to make it. (laughs) Because I like, thank you. I think. (laughs) he said but honestly like you have so much grit and you're so bullheaded (laughs) it was uh you know it was just it's just turning over the nose right like you just use the example of like hitting the stone in my favorite book the alchemist it's like he's digging for treasure and he keeps digging and digging but like of course like most people give up at that exact moment that's like right before the last scoop where you hit the treasure box. It's that's like, exactly right. That's exactly it. So, but that can also be a negative. I will say that like, you don't want to push too hard and go down a road that, you know, you have to kind of, so that's, so the second thing, the second skill that balances out my bullheadedness is I actually am a really good listener, even though I'm talking a lot right now. Hey, you're on, (laughs) spotlight's on you. You have full opportunity to be the talker today. (laughs) I'm a really good listener. And beyond that, I actually do what people tell me to do. Um, I will say with the caveat of, I try to find really smart people to ask advice of. (laughs) And, And I select mentors because of their abilities, skills, or experience in certain areas that I lack. So being a good listener and being able to act on things is, is really important. And then I think the third thing that, you know, I don't know, there's probably a lot of things I could pick. (laughs) Um, You know, people always talk about passion and it's probably overused, but there is no small business that's successful after many, many years that lacks passionate people. And it's not just my passion, it's the passion that every one of us has. And <clears throat> um, in two, it, we're now, what is the date? December 5th, 2008. Yeah. Okay, well, I've been writing my mission statement since March of 2014. <laughs> and it's kind of like this working, living document, um, which we're fine with. We're, we're going to start narrowing it down because as you bring people on to your organization, you really do need to be speaking the same language. But overall, the reason I bring this up is because the overall message of our mission vision is to choose being great over choosing to make money. Because when we choose to be great and when we choose to give our customers a great experience with our brands, the money will come. And, and we're trying to instill that in every single person involved in our brand. Leah, she, she's our office manager and she really oversees everything from like, you know, like paying basic bills or, 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 you know, like administrative stuff all the way to sending out orders. It's like what in, within your world of your existence in trustee that you touch every day that has a, also a direct touch to a customer, what can you do to make that great? 
and it goes all the way up and down from there. Right. So that's, that's our, that's it. Passion. And we try to have everyone bring their own passion into, into what they do here. And, and you hit for anybody listening, a couple of the key points that she hit on in addition to, to grit and listening and passion, I want to reiterate is, is the importance of the mentors and the people that you've surrounded yourself with and learned from. And, and there's no shortage of great people out there to learn from. But additionally, the importance of culture. Uh, you know, I, I have a conversations monthly with some of my coaching clients about culture. And if, if that's what you value, protect it at all costs and set up certain safeguards and things so that you have the right people coming in and the right culture stays intact. Uh, because if you do have that, you're able to add additional fire to those people on your team that have those passions and put them in positions to win. And your customers can't help but feel that, love that, want to be a part of it and, and more. And so that right. those things were huge. What so and I know a handful of our listeners, as we talked on off air prior, have full-time jobs. They don't see it obviously the way that we do, but they love what they do in that role. But they have this itch to, you know, maybe I want to side hustle. Maybe I want to start something or explore something. What advice have you given? Because I know you sit on different boards and, and you, you're involved in different activities there in, in Florida. What advice do you have for aspiring entrepreneurs or just somebody that has a passion to build something on the side, what advice do you have for them uh, just starting out? Um, I would say the biggest thing is don't wait until it's perfect to do it because it's never going to be perfect. I have a perfect example of that. One of my close girlfriends who still, she's a, she's a full time lifelong career hairstylist. She does my hair. Um, she also has a side hustle that has turned into a booming business where she created um, with a chemist, <laughs> like a, a hair product, like an entire line of hair products. She created, conceptualized, marketed, built everything from the actual chemical makeup of the product it, all the way to the packaging and the bottles. Wow. And now, yeah. And now that's like on autopilot. Okay. Wow. It's incredible. And she did all of that while never missing a shift at work. Wow. Being a mother to two children and being like an attentive, like, you know, I'm going to participate in this marriage wife. Like if she That's can pretty awesome. do that, it's awesome. And if she can do that, anyone can. And I'm sure that the first iteration of her product wasn't perfect. Just like the first iteration of my product most certainly was not perfect. All, but, of, our, all of ours yeah. can say that. You look back on those first right. ones and you just cringe. I know. It's so bad. I, sometimes people will still post like hashtag OG chesty. And I'm like, Oh, Oh please no, don't, please no. don't. <laughs> so I would just say like the one thing that I would say is just don't wait. You know, I mean, yes, there are certain limiters, right? Like, of course, if you need, if, you, if it's a product that you need to make, yes, you need a money for that, but borrow it. Borrow it from your mom, borrow it from your dad, borrow it from your rich neighbor down the street who like does nothing but like sit outside, smoke cigars and like read the newspaper, you know, like there is, if there is something that you want to do and you know enough people and you're talking about it enough, chances are someone is going to be like, I'll take a chance on that. 
That's awesome. I, I love that. And so let me ask you on that route when, when, and you don't necessarily have to get into your own personal experience and what you did with that, but when people are looking to start with that and they're looking at angel investors or friends and family rounds, right. because we all know a handful of people that have done that route. How do you position it when it's just an idea, when you're like, I have this great idea for this product. <laughs> do you want to invest? Or like, how do you go up to them and, and a well, you don't. Okay. So yeah, tell I, us. in my opinion, like don't get in, go, don't go and pitch an investor or potential investor on an idea because one of two things is going to happen. A, which is also one. <laughs> They're not going to do anything. They'll be like, are you serious? This is an idea. Goodbye. Like, come back to my table when you have an actual product for me or when you've been selling said product for six months and have data to show me. Or B slash two, they're going to possibly take your idea, especially if it's proprietary. I literally did not talk to anybody about my product unless <laughs> I had them sign an NDA. And there are a lot of people who think I'm legitimately crazy and that's fine. To this day, I think I'm crazy because I was like, oh yeah, well, I have this cool idea but I'm not gonna talk to you about it right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I can say that because at one point I was actually looking for investment dollars. So I had to sit down and have a lot of these conversations. Um, I. I participated in a business plan competition at Florida Atlantic University where I was a finalist and, um, and we presented to a panel of judges that were comprised of VC guys and VC girls, <laughs> VCs, angel investors, um, investment brokers, investment bankers, individual investors. Um, you know, there's just, it ran the gamut. So I got a lot of really good feedback and, by the way, like that's another idea for anyone to do, like enter in a business plan competition because that'll force you to get your pitch down. It will force you to actually write the business plan that's in your head, but not on paper or in an Excel spreadsheet. It will force you to get out and really like narrow down what your idea actually is and how you talk about it. And then it will force you to look at what your, who your market is as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, sitting down and talking to people, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend just talking about an idea unless they're like your family, they're your husband or wife, or they're a trusted, trusted mentor. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That, no, that's, that's great advice, especially, you know, if it's something such as what you had, you don't want somebody else that has a ton of funds getting it going to market and getting the patent and you're just kind of out of luck because that does happen all the time. All the time. And even if it's not like, even if there's no intellectual property involved in, in the product itself, but like, you know, it happens all the time with like web crawlers and web trolls. It's like you, if you search for a website to buy and you're not actually in your account and ready to buy it, someone else is going to buy it and then say, Oh, did you want this? You can have it for $5,000. Like what just happened? Yep. Yep. <laughs> it happens all so, the time. So obviously I come from a very like one side of this. You might talk to another person who's like, you have to get the idea out there and you have to talk to as many people as possible because you have to figure out what your idea is. And I do agree with that, but just be careful of who you're talking to. That's, that's what I'm saying. Cause I'm always just like, <laughs> my brother says that I'm, I'm like paranoid, which I probably am. He's like, you're just paranoid. Like everyone's going to copy and steal your ideas. And I'm like, 
Yeah, okay, fine. Maybe I am. <laughs> well, you know, it's not completely unwarranted given our, our pre-call conversation, you know. Right. Uh, so let me, I, I want to pick your brain on one other thing while, while I've got you here. One, because I'm continually fascinated with this, just how you built it and your eye for design and, and just your hustle because we've talked about your hustle. So we are, obviously, this show is airing early January 2019. We're in a brand new year. This is year five for you now. So yes. yeah, imagine. Oh, awesome. Thank you. What are you, what are you most excited about for this year? Like what are people listening to the show? Like why do they need to tune in and start following to what you're building right now? All right. There are a lot of things I'm super excited about, but entering into year five and going into I've already designed like a whole five-year anniversary collection. I saw this big whiteboard behind you that was just full of notes, and I was <laughs> incredibly impressed. I'm like, man, she's got her whole year already ready to go. Oh, it's done. Yeah, 2019 done, out the door. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. So I think the biggest thing that I'm focusing on in 2019 is better telling our story because not a lot of people know our story. People know our brand, and people who know our brand know what we do but people don't know our story and why we're doing it. And the biggest thing that I'm focusing on with all of my uh, photo shoots, with all of my models, and I put that in quotes because we have never paid a single model. These are real women who are real athletes, usually my friends, who just love the product, wear the product, buy the product, and we wanna showcase real women to other real women. And that's what our focus is in 2019. Because the chesty and one of our campaign slogans is the chesty is for every space body, every body, every body, shape, size, color, background. We are a very all encompassing brand. And I want people, women to feel confident, comfortable in who they are and confident and comfortable in who they are wearing our product that's what I'm most excited about in 2019. I love it. I love it. Okay. So, uh, James, I figured out my question. So we're going <laughs> to, we're going to cut this part and put it back where I was asking earlier. Okay, cool. Uh, so I want to ask you because you had the side hustle. It's a yeah. full-time hustle. Now you have your hands everywhere. You've driven across the country multiple times. Multiple I think. times. Yeah, so you've been all over. <laughs> yeah. The, the idea is constantly floated in society of work-life balance. We know that does not exist, especially if you have a full-time job, if you're starting to build a, a job on the side, and even once you jump over to that side job full-time, there's no balance. Right. What are some things that you do intentionally in your life to create space from work for relationships, for social for working out, because obviously that's part of your brand. How, yeah. did you, how did you create those spaces when you were managing full-time and side hustle? And now that you're running the Chesty full-time, how do you intentionally create those spaces? Um, yeah, so you, you have to actually consciously think about it. And now what I, what I would say to anyone who's already in it, like full, the full, when the side hustle has become the full hustle, um, take it when you can take it and don't feel guilty about it. And I used to feel really guilty. I, last year I took a vacation in December. Imagine that. I felt retail season. What? I know. I felt so guilty. This is not even a joke. 
I had so much anxiety about the vacation that I got sick on my vacation. I couldn't even really like truly enjoy it. And I, I went to this really cool island in the Bahamas by myself. I was like, yes, I'm going to read all the books, do all of the beaching, all of the sun. And I was like, I was so sick <laughs> because I was so nervous. And that stress is a real thing. And stress, yeah. I think stress creates like 80% of our problems in general. So, so. Take it when you can take it. Doesn't matter when it is. If you only have, you know, in my case, a lot of times now, 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. to train, take it, go train, go get your workout done, and don't feel guilty about it. So that's the thing now. Then when I was doing a full-time career and competing and doing the side hustle, I actually found that scheduling things was very good, very healthy for me. And a lot of times people that don't have another option of, well, I have to wake up and train at 6am before I go to work because I have no other time. They actually end up getting a lot of stuff done because they don't have any other options. Right now, when people have a little bit more time and less structure, which is not friendly to a lot of people, some people really require structure. It's like, if you're looking at your calendar and you have a whole day and you think you're going to get so much done in this whole free empty day, all of a sudden 11 p.m. rolls around. You've been sitting at your computer. Your eyes are bugging out of your face because you're like, I don't even remember if I drank water today. What? Did I get anything done? <laughs> totally. <laughs> so I, I feel like, you know, taking the time when you have it. <laughs> I even set myself up on like, like little alarms. I set alarms for everything. So, hey, Nicole, it's time to look away from your computer screen now, like as basic as that to like uh, an alarm to remember to call somebody. And uh, we've done that with each yeah. other before. Call somebody, put something in the mail, you know, write a note, uh, you know, and then just find out personally what like works for your, uh, your geographic area where you live. Like in South Florida, I go to the beach a lot. That's my thing. Right. So I'll either go at sunrise or sunset. Um, I do like to read. And that's something that I'm trying to get my brother to do. He used to read like a book a week at least. And now, you know, he has a two-year-old. So there's that. There's that. Minor <laughs> right. And he has all the Marine Corps stuff that he's doing. So I'm like, I give him books as like not even subtle hints anymore. I will like pass a book across the table and I'll be like, you should probably read that. <laughs> or I bought him, I got him a massage. Um, last month I bought him a massage and I intentionally put a an expiration date on it that was like much sooner than than the company act than the company policy is wow. and i was like do you see that you're probably going to need to do that and book that like in the next few weeks you're welcome well done well <laughs> i mean that's like we laugh my my poor wife uh is has a habit of not being on time and so we occasionally will just say dinner's at 7 knowing that not everyone's going to get there till 7.30. Right. Uh, we know if we can put a little extra fire, we'll get there on time. <laughs> uh, so that's really, really funny. I love that. And I think the intentionality, the alarms are huge. Yeah. Uh, setting that calendar spot in your phone. I mean, the, the best thing that we did uh, in the last year, which it took us forever, was to move all of our email servers, calendars, everything over to Google and use that service because it just syncs so seamlessly with my phone. And so I can be in a web browser and just set up like this call or anything else. 
And then I have times blocked off of like, I'm going to the gym at this time. And, and yes. Like that. so yes, yeah. yes. And you mentioned blocks. I'm really, I'm a visual person, obviously. Okay. Yeah. So I do my count. I'm going to show you something so disgusting. Look at this. Oh, we got a color coordinated calendar here coming. Wait, this is my bike wow. calendar. Look at this. Look at this. That is, that is impressive. It I is mean, a, have you ever seen something so hideous? If they know hard copy paper calendar. Yeah. If you're listening in your car, you probably haven't seen one of these in at least 10 years, if not longer, <laughs> but it is a thick old school paper calendar yeah. folder and it's full of more papers than I probably have spread all over my desk. Yes. And so I take that and then this, which is my canister of colored pencils yeah. and I block time out. Right. So I don't like lock myself into, um, you know, I have to do this then, but I do general, like in general, I'm going to do general business during this time. I'm going to do physical fitness during this time, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do new business development during this time. I'm going to do personal, whatever in this time. So I try to like, and then looking at one day, versus the whole week, then I try to make sure that it's balanced throughout the week. I love so, it. Yeah. So I'm really big on visuals like that. <laughs> and, and then if it doesn't work out exactly how you plan, you can always like shift. And yeah. I remember one of my CrossFit coaches said that to me before, cause I was like, it was the first year I was doing like individualized training and I was so stressed out walking to the gym and I'm like, oh, I have two workouts to do. One of them's like going to take me like, you know, forever to do. And then the other one, it's like, I don't know which, should I do the strength one first? Should I do the, like what, the conditioning one second? And she was like, all right, you're here. I need you at like here. I need you to calm down. And she said something that really is stuck with me. She's like, if you get it all done in the week, you still got all the work done, right? Like all of the work that he programmed for you in the week is done. So why don't you do today, today, and then make up tomorrow or make up yesterday, tomorrow. And I was like, oh, yeah. I love <laughs> it. Like, a rest day, so make it up. <laughs> Just look at, look at it in chunks over the course of a week. I love yeah. that. Chunks, blocks, whatever you want to call it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So yeah. Nicole, for anyone that's, that's with us, listen to the show, loves it, loves your fun personality, where can we find the Chesty online and where can we find you online? Cool. Uh, the Chesty is thechesty.com. It is the Chesty on all social media handles, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I tweet things like once every three months, so don't get your hopes up there. <laughs> you are active on Instagram, though. Your stories are yes, always sir. going, and, and you are always active there. Thanks. I love telling people that I built my entire company on a free app. It's just crazy, but that's not uncommon these days. No. And, uh, and then you can follow my personal journey on my, um, my personal account, which is Butter and Biscuits. <laughs> And, okay. So I got to know the background. What is, you got to give me the story. Uh, well, everyone used to call me biscuit cause my last name is Biscuity. And when I was first signing up to Instagram, like whoever was with me at the time, it was probably, it was probably one of my friends who was like, how have you gone this long without an Instagram account? This is not okay. And they were probably like, you need to come up with something really creative. And it was just the first thing that came to my head. Butter and biscuits seemed like a good combination. So I just never changed it. 
It's great. No, it is, it is great and it stands out for sure. So everyone listening, definitely make sure you go follow, definitely check out the Chesty. Uh, you obviously have a ton of amazing things coming out in 2019. So if yeah, new ladies collections, oh my gosh, like, I, well, it'll be a whole other podcast, but I created a new product for women with larger cup sizes called Chesty X and people have been really waiting on this. It's just about perfect. Awesome. I have that coming out. I've got singlets. I got the whole thing. And, and I will say for our guys that are listening, oh yeah, actually carry men's shorts, uh, and they have shirts. So go to their website. Uh, as a proud owner of Compete Every Day, I will happily send you over to the Chesty for some of their shorts and gear because it's Thanks. awesome. Uh, so check it out. Follow Nicole. Follow the Chesty. This was fun. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. Visit CompeteEverydayPodcast.com to learn how you can get connected with other everyday competitors. Contact the show and find resources to help compete for your best life.